You're listening to the Monumental Me Mindshare Podcast. We're collecting stories and having conversations with real people who inspire us to thrive in life. Thinkers and doers and people like you. This is Liana Slater of Monumental Me. Today we're talking to Atusa Rubenstein. Atusa is the author of Atusa Unedited, an online newsletter. She models authenticity, self-love, and acceptance for her readers. She's the former editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine and the founder editor-in-chief of Cosmo Girl. This is a conversation that is frank, honest, open, and just a treat for the listeners of Monumental Me's Mindshare podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We all have had really hard experiences. I'm just unpacking mine. And so I always encourage people when they read my newsletter, it's not just about my story. My story is your story. Your story is my story. We are mirrors for each other. And through my unpacking that I've had the privilege to do over the past 13 years, I hope that it will encourage some some unpacking of, of my readers as well. Welcome, Atusa. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today. Well, Atusa, this past spring, you came out of what you called a 13-year sabbatical. You were focusing on your personal growth and raising your three children, which to me is a full-time job and not quite a sabbatical from life, but I think you meant a sabbatical from your professional work. And I'd like to really focus on your insights and guidance really around what resonates when when I talk to you about how we can be our own teachers maybe even our own parents as we are adults. And you really talk about how we can really be there for ourselves. And as we navigate through life with the goal of really thriving in a personal and professional way, which is what Monumental Me is really all about, I would just love to hear your thoughts on, on that topic. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for asking. The whole idea of reparenting yourself is is really where I've been focusing and to sort of tweak it to my orientation, the idea of being your own teacher for me is a little different than being your own, being sort of your own parent and reparenting yourself. Because why that 13 year sabbatical was so important for me is that the people around me and the situations around me, in particular, parenting, by the way, parenting is so effing hard. The, the kids were my teachers. Certainly I was their teacher, right? As their parent and, and all the all the obvious stuff. But as you know, as a parent yourself, our children are programmed to go right to our weak zones and those places we don't want things rubbed up against. And then it's when we're being so triggered in those ways, and not just my children, by the way. I mean, there's the certain that certain mom at school that rubs you the wrong way, or certainly your partner, spouse, your in-laws. I mean, the list is endless. I mean, anybody can be your teacher. It's just a matter of when you're in that zone of being really, really triggered, how do you show up for yourself? And what I found is that Earlier in my adult life, I was showing up for myself exactly the same way my mother showed up for me, which was 
She didn't. It was with criticism. It was with verbal flagellation. And I had to learn a different way. And that's really what I've been spending my time doing is saying, all right, how do I reprogram myself? Because our, our inner voices are based on our, our parenting. And it's, and it's nothing against my mom. I had an amazing mom who did the absolute best she could, but she, she did the best she could. <laughs> and that best was based on how she was raised and then how that woman was raised and, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's where the sort of ancestral piece is it's hard. It's it, that's a hard thing to shift. And, and that's really what I've been spending my time on. Okay. So there are a few things in there that are so interesting. So first of all, you're, it's so generous of you that you take ownership really of, of yourself. So you said your mother wasn't there for you in certain nurturing ways, but then you're very generous and that you're like, that wasn't her fault. And, and I think that's part of what is so valuable about what you're sharing that you kind of have resolved really taking it up into your own hands to to grow from what you've learned. Is that is that correct? I, I think it's right. But by the way, that doesn't mean she doesn't make me insane. <laughs> that doesn't mean that to this day when she calls me, I'm not like, all right, it's easy. You can breathe through this. Like right. not because she's a bat, she's like the nicest little old lady on earth. Yeah. But her and most of our, frankly, parent mothers, attunement was off. And, you know, like I'll, I'll give you a, an example that, that is sort of, I think makes it palpable, but there's this wonderful author called Mark Willen, and he wrote a book called It Didn't Start With You, and it's about ancestral wounding. And I, I've seen him privately. Uh, and he had me do this exercise that was so horrifically painful psychologically. And basically what I have to do is every so often I go to my mom's house, I put my head on her lap and she is, she basically has a script that says things like, I, I'm here for you. When you were younger, I wasn't able to be here for you, but I'm here now. And there's this whole script and she has to read it. And while she's reading it, she has to like pet my head and my hair. Now, this is like, even just in talking about it, I feel like a cat with all my hairs are standing on end because this is 49 years of lack of attunement. Like, it's almost like you're petting a cat the wrong way against the hairs. <laughs> and so, but the point is in those moments where she is showing that lack of attunement to what I need, which she has shown my whole life because of her distraction, I have to parent myself inside. And it's my opportunity to, to soothe myself in the face of what is really, in some ways, the ultimate betrayal, who is the person who is supposed to be your creator, is so not tuned into you. And so that practice is so deeply uncomfortable, but then by the end, I feel high, like it's transcendent by the time I feel like I've gotten over the hump of the, the abject discomfort and despair. <laughs> no, that's good to share. I and to her credit, she does it. Like she could say, what is this? This is nonsense, but she does it. She does it. 
And was that hard to convince her to do? No, no, she'll do anything. She really, I mean, that's where I say I'm so lucky. This person so deeply wants to be in relationship with me. She just doesn't have the musculature. In my culture, I'm from Iran. And I, I, I was born there. My children are born here. So they're, you know, more Americanized than I am. But in, in our culture, they have arranged marriages. So her mother was married to my grandfather, who was a grown man our age, at age 14. And she was his second wife. Like he had another wife already because bigamy is also allowed there. And so how could a 14, I think she was 16 by the time she had my mom, but how could a 16 year old really have attunement with a baby? And so that's a, that's a generational thing because her mom, probably the same. And then her mom, so it's children raising children. And so I certainly, I'm sure inherited much of that, that I passed on to my kids, but there is probably a lot more self-awareness as well because of my age. And you share this background and your newsletter now on Atusa Unedited. So that's super helpful. Do you want to just introduce that a little bit before I dig further? Sure. I mean, I had had an epiphany, which we can talk about at a certain point, that was, I feel like the breakthrough epiphany that got me out of my you called it a sabbatical. I call it that sometimes. Sometimes I call it a hibernation, like where I just really went deep and underground for about 13 years. And I had this one particular epiphany and that sort of took me out of the cave. And when I came out into the sunlight, I didn't, you know, the media landscape has completely changed. When I went away, magazines were still king. Digital was starting, but it was before social media had really taken off. So it was a whole new landscape. And and I just didn't know where I fit in with that. I didn't even know what to do. And so I called some of my younger friends who were teenagers when I was at my height, and now they are killing it in media. And I just said, what do I do? I have these things I've learned and I just want to just talk about it. They said, definitely start a Substack. That's what's happening right now. And that's how within literally a week, I created a Tucson edited, you know, called one of our old art directors, asked him to make me a logo and then just threw it up there. And so every week, basically, I'm sharing the things that I've learned and processed on the sabbatical. And one of the things I've learned, and and it's really sort of critical as to what is the point of this newsletter, is our psyches are so powerful and they're so protective of us. And so they will take these experiences we've had and just like create almost like a, a fold in our memory where they can tuck it away. And it's like, no, Liana, it's okay. You can go on. You're safe. Keep going. But yet there's a bump and that bump rubs up against things. And that's where our teachers come in. Like when something really jams us up or a person jams us up, I get so curious because I know it's rubbing up against something that is not so conscious for me. And so this newsletter is about sort of almost like unpacking my, the bumps in my memory and seeing what's in there and knowing that it's not just about my life. A lot of my friends will say, after reading my newsletter, like, what the, you had this horrible childhood. How could one person have suffered through so much? And I say, no, no, no. We all have had really hard experiences. I'm just unpacking mine. 
And so I always encourage people when they read my newsletter, it's not just about my story. My story is your story. Your story is my story. We are mirrors for each other. And through my unpacking that I've had the privilege to do over the past 13 years, I hope that it will encourage some some unpacking of, of my readers as well. Yes. And that's just the power of storytelling. And, and you're so open and, and frank. And that's that's a gift to people, too, because it's hard for people to do that, especially kind of in a public forum like that. But I think that's wonderful. So just the newsletter itself is, is a great tool for people to you know be able to relate to that. They get a lot of deep sharing, people sharing stories that are so powerful. And in fact, I'll tell you about something that happened yesterday, but I sort of, st- I, 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 you can't, you can take the magazine out of the girl, but you can't take the girl out of the magazine business. But what is like yesterday is a great example. One of my former colleagues who worked with me at, I think it was Cosmo Girl Magazine. We worked together. She was a senior editor and she had this like crazy experience where she had called in sick but she really had a freelance job. And that day happened to be 9-11. And she was right there at ground zero to, to do the interview that she was, she was ditching work to do. And she had a really harrowing experience because she was there on her own. She didn't really understand what was going on. And she couldn't tell anybody because she had lied about where she was at work. Oh, wow. And so this experience that is so horrific she couldn't talk to her colleagues the people who she's surrounded by and so all these years later she told me yesterday that that had happened and so that to me it's like the power of revelation you know if i can sit there and say hey i had an abortion and then within a few hours i had sex with somebody else in order to make myself feel better because i didn't know how else to ask for comfort it makes people feel like wow you said that you didn't like detonate upon uttering it right. <laughs> and especially it's sort of like you think stories like that happen over there, whatever that means to somebody else or a different type of person. But I don't know, like by all standards, I'm a very upstanding NYC fancy mom with kids in fancy schools and I live in a fancy place, but I have some decidedly very unfancy things about my past. And so I feel like the the challenging, surprising things don't define whether who I am and and neither does all the fancy shit. So, so yeah. Well, that's a good lesson, right? That, that people can, you know, kind of think that they're defined by certain instances or in their lives or or something that's happened to them or their behavior, but that's something that you share that doesn't have to define who you are going forward. At any point, I mean, we're not defined by anything on the outside, right? It's like Mm -hmm. our internal life and who we are and our journeys. There's not one definition. Who I am in this moment is different than who I am three seconds from now, depending on how I feel and, and what's happening. Well, I mean, so you've put years of work into yourself and your personal development, your your personal work and this healing journey that you went on. So I don't want to minimize that by condensing it into motivational snippets, but and meaning that when you tell a whole story that is helpful, but 
But there are these gems that you share in your writing that is super helpful and people can learn from that, from your anecdotes. And and you share some simple tools that I had read in your newsletter. So one example is really kind of self-guiding, like soothing. So I think you talked about putting a hand on yourself, maybe it's your heart or somewhere else. And and just to when, to deal with an issue or something that comes up, can, can you talk a little bit more about maybe some other specific tools that you've learned about that really yeah. help? Yeah, yeah. Well, that what you just referenced came from something that the Mark Mark Woolen, who I referenced before, had asked me to do that I felt felt was really transformational, which is for and this is so easy, anybody can do this. Six times a day for 60 seconds. You can use your watch to time it. You sort of do this meditation for only 60 seconds where you put your hand on your belly or your heart or whatever feels right. And you're, you sort of go into your body, wherever it is your hand is. Let's say I, I like to do my belly. I see the grown up me holding the child and I'm just comforting her. I'm saying things and I don't say it out loud. I say it in my head. I, I got you. I'm going to stay with you until you feel like it's safe to come in your body. I'm going to stay with you until you feel heard and seen and safe, you know, things like that for 60 seconds, six times a day. And that just begins, that sets up the relationship. And so now for me, I don't need to necessarily do it six times a day, although I might, depending on what kind of day I'm doing, I might do it more is like, I like to just put my hand on my skin and, and just really, or, or my neck, but it's important to be I like skin on my belly, like either on my neck or on my belly. And I just creating that attunement and, and you might, you might have a partner like your, your husband or, or a relative who just knows how to touch you when you're feeling bad, or you might do it with your pet. You know, that way that your pet just knows how to come in for that nuzzle that only how to give it and, and give that to yourself. Uh, when you need it, as opposed to sort of staying in like an alarmed state or sad or whatever the, whatever the feeling is. So that's like my main, that's my main, main tool. But the other thing that's really important is friendship. I have these four people that I call my four pillars and they are my people. And I allow myself to be really broken in front of them if I need to be. I'm not that those are four people that I don't try to impress. I don't put on any front depending on how I'm feeling. I just like there was a point at which I was I was going through a breakup and frankly I'm still going through it even though I'm dating someone new quite seriously. I'm still grieving. But I don't put on a show for my friends about how I'm feeling about it. Even if what I'm saying makes me sound so stupid, I'll say, I know, I know, I know. This is how I feel. Because friends will be like, ah, he's this, he's that. Oh my God. Well, like, look at who you have now. And I'll be like, great. I want who I had then. Now what? And by the way, I talk that way with my boyfriend. Once you're dating somebody who already knows like the abortion story that I told you or all the other dirty laundry type things about you, you can really just like settle in and be yourself because 
they already know you're not trying to protect anything and you can just like be at ease. And so I do think that, that, that having people in your life, you don't need four, you don't need anything but one, somebody that you can really be your fullest, most authentic self with, without any shame. Yeah, that's so important, the, the personal connection. And that's a good point. It could be one person. It doesn't have yeah. to be a group of friends. And that takes time to cultivate that, that too. So um, just worth the energy there. So talking to other people is super important, especially the trusted relationships. But I, I'm coming back to this self-talk. So mm-hmm. you, you seem to use that often as a tool. And the child within you. So I think you, you've referenced yourself and you're writing about little Atusa. So yeah. do you, maybe Gina just want to mention that, how that came to be. How did you, you know, talk to your younger self and how does that help you now? Yeah. Well, anytime I'm jammed up, about, we all get jammed up about things, small things and big things. I know it's, it's the little Atusa, especially when I, you know, intellectually, like it doesn't make sense. Um, but there's a child, you know, within you that was created and, and almost like frozen in time at every point of trauma and trauma doesn't have to be big, huge capital T trauma, right? Trauma could be your dad didn't pick you up from piano lessons. He forgot. And that child was standing there really alarmed and looking around and scared and wondering. That's a trauma. And there's a part of you that can be created that then stays frozen, that is afraid when, when someone's not showing up or when someone's late for a meeting. And so in those moments and when you're getting jammed up because someone is five minutes late for a meeting... It's always just helpful, first of all, to find out what's this follow the cord. It goes back to something, goes back to something, usually age zero to 12. And then isolate that child and just love her. Because usually it's that you went through something and you didn't have a grown up around because it could have been just literally somebody wasn't around or that your parents didn't have the musculature to support you through something. How many of us have things that happen with friends at school or at camp? And we don't really tell our parents. We didn't tell. I didn't tell my parents that I had a horrible, horrible friendship breakup at around age 12 in camp. I mean, it was terrible. Like I was singing Phil Collins songs to myself about this girl. I was devastated. I didn't tell my parents that because they would think that was nonsense. And yet I carried that. And so that child lives within me. And so it's just about being when that child gets triggered by one of our current teachers, because that's a whole, like one thing I talk a lot about is that this is earth school. And when you think about this as earth school, when you're going through something and like, for instance, today I'm going through a divorce and my husband is in love with his receptionist. And they're moving in together. And what I mean, like, and the story goes on and on and on. And I don't, I don't need to tell you about that, but that kicks up a lot in me. Right. And I can sit there and I can really have a lot of fun with that narrative. Right. With my friends, we can really dig into that. We can share a lot of pictures on Instagram. Like there's a lot, but, but how does that help me? What that's doing is that's hurting the child within me. And that's like, pouring salt in her wounds and she's wounded. And so, all right, well, 
it's helpful to say, all right, well, this is earth school. What is this rubbing up against? What, why have I manifested this in my life? And how can I comfort myself through it so that it can be transformational? Because I think that the reason we bring certain situations into our life, and, and you, you, I'm sure, have had this experience like, oh, why does such and such always happen to me? You know, why does this always happen at work or with friends or with my spouse? Well, it happens always and over and over because it's related to a childhood wounding that you're manifesting in order to have a different outcome. So how can we have a different outcome? And, and I think that starts with being able to really be there for ourselves in a way that nobody was able to be there for us when the original wounding happened. Um, and that's, that's what it looks like in my life. I mean, that's what I do every day. Like, I, I don't consider myself a guru. I'm not just sitting here from a place of perfection and telling people, here's how you do it. And now everything in my life is perfect. This is my practice. This is what I do every day. And like when we get off our, our podcast here, uh, I have something really brewing that I need to do that with and just sit and let it breathe through it and comfort myself through it. And so it just, it's sort of never ending, but earth school is never ending. It ends when we die. <laughs> So earth school is your term for life experiences, right? That Well, it's seeing our life experiences, not just as like either shit luck or dumb luck, like great luck. It's everything is there for a purpose and it's there for our growth. And if we can allow ourselves to sort of soften and surrender to the lesson that's there, we can ascend somehow. We can learn from it and do better uh, and feel better as opposed to just making up, getting caught in the narrative of, of life. Right. And I, I talk a lot about just taking a pause and other people might talk about meditation mm -hmm. and other practices. But again, I, I like this. It's an active meditation. It sounds like you're doing where you're yeah. focusing on certain things and do and so, that self-talk that is helping you get through things. So that's, that's, and it's using the real things that happen in life as an opportunity to, to your, to use your word, pause and really be mindful and present because one of the, I, I think one of the biggest drugs that most people use is narrative. Like they, like something will happen and they just like let their mind go nuts with it. Yeah. And I just don't know who that's helpful for. Certainly not, not you. <laughs> right getting stuck in your own thoughts. And yes, that was my big thing. I think growing up is just getting, getting stuck. And so it's so important to know how to move beyond those negative thoughts right. at any age. Super helpful. And interesting, you, you, you mentioned a friendship breakup that was so impactful for you because I can think of more than one friendship breakup that was so impactful. I think that's, that's a topic that's not spoken about often enough and that happens in the adolescence and grief. Um, so much so grief. Yes. Yeah. And you just think, I don't think I talked to my mom too much about that, but it was traumatic yeah, when it happened to me. So that's just, that's an interesting topic. I definitely want to look more into that later, but I want to make sure I ask you about your epiphany. You mentioned that earlier. So if you can talk about kind of the story about this epiphany of, of kind of the beginning of your, your journey. Yeah. Thank you. It's interesting because I, I, it goes back to that guy that I, I had the breakup with. And by the way, that breakup 
is the gift that keeps on giving. Like, I'm so, so deeply grateful to this man in terms of what our relationship has brought for me, because in some ways it was like I was, I don't know, like barrier in a coma and he brought me back to life first by loving me and then by leaving me. But the epiphany was that in the leaving, which by the way, I manifested, it's not like that story of, oh, he broke up with me and he's such a this and he's no, no, I manifested this breakup. And in some ways, maybe in order to, to learn this great, 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 great lesson of my life, but in being in grief, which I have experienced many times in my life, including that particular friendship breakup I talked about, I had to learn how to love myself through it. It's everything we talked about. It's sort of like I had all of, I had built the various musculature over the past 13 years to be able to be ready to actually step up and reparent myself and love my way through it. But this was the actual event that had me so twisted up in a knot that I, I had to learn. And in some ways, one thing that happened in my relationship with this guy uh, is he and I both really discovered maternal attunement. And we both, whatever it was that we had in each other, replaced temporarily that thing that we didn't get from our mothers. And I mean, there would be weekends. I mean, this sounds crazy and you're going to think I'm insane. There was a weekend. We stared at each other for 26 hours. Like that's all we did. And that is touching a place within a, a being that is what you get from your mother in as a newborn, an in infancy, mm -hmm. where you're just sitting there staring at your baby and totally attuned. And so that kind of bond was created. And so when it got shattered, it felt like the original bond being shattered because we don't remember when our mother abandoned us. We don't remember because we were teeny. And for some people, it happens right at birth where you are given the creator and the creator just cannot show up for you because of their own stuff. Mm. And that is a deep, deep, deep wounding that we carry with us and we keep trying to sort of assuage with people, with success, with money, with things. Like we're just trying to fill that hole that's left by our beloved mother who just did not have the musculature to give to us what we need. And through this breakup, I learned how to give it to myself. I had to, because he had so closely simulated it with me that if I didn't, I, I just couldn't live. Not that I was suicidal, like I just couldn't function. Mm. And here I am in a, in a situation, you understand, a mother has to function. Right. So yeah. I just didn't have the choice. When, when we were in our 20s, we could get through a day of work and then just be a mess when we get home. Don't have that choice as a mother. And so I just had to pull my shit together and use every tool from like the ones you listed from meditation and, and beyond 
to do this for myself. And, and that was it. Like once I learned that really the key to all of it, everything is, is self-love and, and, and that self-love can actually be done. It's not just some bullshit that you read about. It is something that you can tactically do. Not easy, <laughs> but you can, you can do it. You can actually do it. And that it's a practice that you must do. Then that was it. Like once I figured that out, I couldn't not share that. I had to share it. And I also wanted to share my authentic self. I could no longer be, quote unquote, a Tusa from 17 or a Tusa from Cosmo Girl. I realized also part of that breakup was part of what had kept me out of media was this fear of ruining my quote unquote legacy. And that was based in another part of my maternal wounding, which is always wanting to be on a pedestal. Like my mom would always put me on a pedestal based on my achievements. That's how I got her love. I didn't get her love as a nothing kid. I didn't even get her attention, none of it. But when I became successful, boy, did I get it all. I was her number one person. And that I realized that I had that relationship with my career and that Atusa from Cosmo Girl or Atusa from 17, all the crap that gets bestowed on you externally in, in your career, I don't want to ruin that by coming out and doing something else. And what if it's not successful? So it kept me frozen. And once I had this epiphany, it was so powerful to me. I remembered again, why I do what I do, not to make money, not to get awards, not to be famous. I do what I do because I loved to share what I'd learned. And I finally had something that was worth sharing. And so I don't give a shit what happens to my legacy. That's all nonsense. I I only care about getting this message out now. That's a great realization. And I think so important to, to share, I think even with people today and especially with social media, you mentioned just sharing these constant achievements, even day-to-day stuff. It's just, I think people just rely so much on that and just lose that sense of their self just all along their their lives. So, and so one other thing, there are many things I want to talk about, but one thing I do want to talk about are, well, Monument to Me, we run these peer groups called Mindshare Circles. And I know that a part of your healing was from a circle group and you're talking about sharing. If you want to just touch on that a little bit and kind of how how joining a circle helped you and kind of got you to where you are right now. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, it was a big part of where I got now and I didn't want to do it either. Boy, was I in resistance to that because when you sit in circle, like you really have to show up. And I was used to a more performative way of being where I could just make a quip and sort of go and like just not really connect deeply. And so when I became part of the first uh, green circles at Hidden Water, which is an organization that supports survivors of childhood sexual abuse, I really didn't want to be there. I didn't want to talk about the incest. I didn't want to meet other, it just felt like such an intimate space to be sharing. But in being in that intimate space, I just was able to see the whole experience from 
from that 360 degree angle, honestly, to hear other people's stories. I mean, one thing that happened for me that was transformational, other than just looking at it fully, when you're an incest survivor, you're sort of always looking at your experience from the corner of your eye. Like you just sort of take peeks at it because you just don't want to really sit with it because it's fucking harrowing. But to sit there and listen to everybody else's harrowing stories and then have to share my own in a way that felt comfortable to me, obviously, it wasn't anything that I was forced to do, but I did it. I was just able to finally build a relationship with it and with myself and with that part of my life. And the real transformational thing that happened for me is rather than sort of avoiding all talk of incest and having shame about it within my family, it just made it the same way I might talk about what we're having for breakfast. It just normalized it for me. Like this was our experience. This happened. This isn't something we just peek at. And so my relationship to how I feel about my perpetrator changed, where before I just was always avoiding him. And there was just a sense of like, he's a bad person. And after the circle, I realized he's a hurt person. He too is an abused person. He too deserves a reclamation of, of, of his childhood and, and all of the terrible things he went through that our family allowed him to suffer. That I was, although I was a much younger child, he was, he was a grown-up, but even as a much younger child, I remember watching his father abuse him physically and, and shame him and emotionally abuse him and his brother. You know, we all had a front row seat to that. So it just, it just gave me just a completely different perspective on my experience, his experience and our experience as a family. So to this day, people in my family, they still don't like to talk about it, by the way, but I talk about it and they say, oh, what can I bring for the party? Like I always say, well, you can start by talking about the abuse that happens in our family because and that makes them crazy. They're just always like that too. So she's a nut, mm. but that's you have to bring light to the darkness otherwise it just continues to replicate so would you call that forgiveness of the oh sure yeah. oh i mean forgiveness of enough forgiveness of myself forgiveness of everybody like yeah. we are all nobody is born and that sort of gets to like my real my real mission i feel like we're all born with unconditional love you see babies they're like so excited to look at anybody and make eye contact and any person. And I remember experiencing this when I had my first child, the sort of creepiest, scariest homeless person could come up to that baby and like make baby faces. And the baby's like, yeah, I am all in with you. I love you. You are so fun. And meanwhile, the parents are sort of slowly taking steps backward. And that's the, that right there is how life sort of gets us to forget unconditional love because of our woundings. And we, we step farther and farther away from unconditional love. And how do we step, step back into it? And it's from a place of unconditional love that I, I hold my perpetrator in my heart. That doesn't mean I want to have dinner with him. Right. That doesn't right. mean he doesn't scare me or that I, I can fall back into the feelings of fear 
when I'm around him or somebody in his family. I do. I mean, that's just my nervous system, but I don't have any, I don't hold any ill will. Like I don't want anything bad for anybody. Talking about your perpetrator and your mother and that generosity that I'm, I'm, I see it as generosity towards them that you have. It, that's just part that that's the value of forgiveness and how it makes you happy and you able to enjoy your life right now. So I just want to point that out and that that's so important. Well, thank you for, for sharing all of this with us. And, and I will, will definitely direct people in the podcast information to Tusa Unedited. But this is so helpful to, to hear what, what you've been through and, and thank you. insights thank that you. you share. So I have two more questions for you that sure. I um, usually ask everybody that I speak with. And one is, I ask women what they would tell their 26-year-old self. So we just talked a lot about that. But if there's one thing you would look back and tell your 26-year-old self from where you sit today, what would that be? My 26-year-old self got married and started a magazine, you know, became an editor-in-chief the same year. I would just, I would honestly just say, fucking enjoy it. Live it up. It's so amazing to be young and to just not let yourself be weighed down by self-criticism just enjoy enjoy every minute of being 26 your 26 year old body your 26 year old lack of fear because there are things that you don't know yet (laughs) that come from maybe having children or other things and i just would say have yeah excellent advice and then finally i always ask how do you fill your cup? So we've talked a lot about kind of true self-care and self-love and your practice, but is there something on a daily basis that you really just do to, to make sure you're recharging? Yeah. I mean, I do a lot, honestly. I mean, it sounds crazy. Every morning I wake up, I do morning pages, right? So I write three pages, just like to empty my head, uh, longhand. I make sure I meditate. I make sure I work out. Like I do the class. Taryn Toomey is the class. That is so, by the way, the class is transformative. So I make sure I move my body in that way. I make sure, this sounds crazy, but like I get like a foot massage at at the nail salon like twice a week. It's important to me. Like I feel like it makes me feel in my body and better. Yeah, I just, I really take care of me. I take care of me the way that we take care of our children. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I haven't really, yeah, the way that you put that, the way you take care of your own children, that's why not do that to ourselves? Such an important point. Well, thank you so much, Atusa. This has been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're awesome and so thoughtful. And I love what you're doing for your community and just feel really honored to be a part of it. Excellent. Thank you. For more information or to join our community, visit our website at monumentalme.com or follow us on Instagram at monumentalme.we. And if you have any suggestions for interviews, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at monumentalme.com.